Um, this is the uh, third week we're doing a series here, um, and all the messages from this last few weeks have had uh, sort of this common theme of, of planting and growing. It seems sort of appropriate um, given the time of year. Um, the first message we looked at was uh, was related to trees that bear good fruit, and, and the question associated with it was um, the folks you listen to, the folks who are bringing messages and bringing information into your life, um, what kind of fruit are they producing? You know, what what do their lives look like? What do the lives of those who follow them look like? What's the result of it? Um, the uh, the second week we looked at um, our own lives. What kind of fruit do we produce in our own lives? You know, are we producing the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control, or um, are we producing kind of kind of junk? You know, or 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 you know, is our lives are they matching up with this? And and we talked about this idea that. Um, you know, as the Holy Spirit, like, becomes invested in us, we begin to grow out, you know, in things that show that he's present. Um, this week, uh, we're going to look a little further back in the process, away from fruiting to, to planting. Um, it's sort of funny, actually, as I sat down to, to write this sermon, or to rewrite this sermon, um, I wrote it three weeks ago, but when my laptop died, I lost it. So... Um, I, I was trying to come up with a good like story to, to illustrate a parable, and then I had this moment of realization that a parable is a story. So we're actually going to start right in the text. Uh, 13.1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large ca- crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate, all, and ate them up. Um, some fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil. They sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no roots. Other seeds fell amongst thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil where they produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Um, okay, so uh, I, I don't know much about farming. I think I've said this a few times. But as I understand it, when you go out and plant, you got a big machine that sticks each seed in the ground a certain depth. Is that right? Um, the first example of those, I was doing a little research this week, the first example of those was 2500 B.C., the first machine that dug a trough and planted seeds one at a time. Can you believe that? Um, way, way back when, it was not universally used. When you get to the time that, the, that Jesus is telling this story, planting was a little less sophisticated. Um, what you would do, you would have a sack, right, that you'd hang over your shoulder, and you would walk in your field, and you'd toss the seeds out, then you'd come and you'd plow. And when you plowed, the soil would go over the, the seeds, and, and they'd hopefully grow, Right, not not very advanced, right? We have, you know, very expensive equipment, or you guys have very expensive equipment that does this a little better. Am I am I accurate in this? Um, the problem with planning this way, of course, is that it's piecemeal, right? You never know what what's going to happen quite. And and in this case, like Jesus talks about the problems that occur, and and he tells this story. Um, he doesn't give an immediate explanation. We're going to come around to that. He ends with this phrase, he who has ears, let them hear. Right? Um, well, what does that mean? Well, there are a whole, he's got a whole crowd of people who are listening, 
um, and they're they're hearing what he's saying, but it's pretty likely they ain't getting it, right? If I stand up and I tell you about planting seeds, everybody's going to say, well, of course, you know, you throw seeds in the road, they're not going to grow, right? I'm not a farmer. Do you grow seeds on asphalt? Or there's no asphalt here. I'm sorry, on the packed dirt road. <laughs> That's why my car's already always dirty. Um, is it worthwhile to plant your crops in the rocks? It's probably a real pain in the neck to plant them in the, in the thorns, right? Or in the arms. It's a pain in the arms. Um, he's telling a story that everybody just has to agree with, right? Um, later... This is starting in verse 10. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever what, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak in parables. And then he quotes a passage from Isaiah. Isaiah. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart will become calloused. They will hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they have seen, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you that many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but but they did not hear. All right. That was a long interlude. I didn't mean to just jump a, jump forward and dump a whole lot of text on you. I couldn't figure out a way to do this otherwise, right? So, Jesus starts out, he tells a story about planting, right? It was a farming story. He then says, listen, there are all, all sorts of folks around you who hear what I'm saying, but they don't get it, right? Any of you guys ever talk to, like, a teenager, and you're trying to explain something to them, and you feel like you're talking to, like, the wall? Because <laughs> it's just not sinking in. They don't get it. I'm sorry, teenagers. Um, or, or talk to somebody who, who's doing something that's wrecking their lives, and no matter how many times you say it to them, they don't get it. And, or somebody who's so angry that you try to talk to them and their anger makes them dumb. Anybody had this experience? Like, this is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, listen, I can tell these stories, but folks ain't going to get it. Not everybody is going to get it because some folks can't. Um, He then goes on and explains the parable. And we're going to go through this one bit by bit, okay? No huge reading. Um, He then explains... Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message of the kingdom of God and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, uh, snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that was sown on the path. So um, there are folks, you can tell them things, right? Now, the message of the kingdom of God is a couple things. The gospel is more or less it, right? This is, hey, you've got sin in your life. You can repent and be saved by Jesus. Um, that's the gospel message, right? This applies to both believers and unbelievers, by the way. It's not just, oh, you don't believe in God, you should believe, or you know, or else. It, there are believers who fall into sin and make sin into a way of life. And he's saying, listen, these folks who are living in their sin, who are kind of soaking in it, they, you know, they can hear the gospel and they can turn. But many folks will hear it, and the first thing they'll say is, yeah, but I really enjoy my sin. 
or they're coming up with reasons to not listen to you right out of the gate, right? I, I was talking with a fellow the other day, and, and I was trying to explain something to him, and, and all he did was call me names. He called me a bigot, and he called me, you know, uh, um, all sorts of other stuff. And I'm, I'm trying to talk to him about Jesus, and all he's got is attack, right? Because he's angry, and because there's no way the seed's going to take hold in his heart. The words I'm saying, they're bouncing off him because he's too mad to hear anything, Right? Um, the other examples of this, uh, anybody ever known an alcoholic? These are folks who can't hear what you're saying because they're so lost in their own sin that when you try to call them to repentance, when you try to help them out, they can't hear it um, because they get their ears plugged up. Um, and then it says, well, you know, the seed doesn't take hold, right? So like the words, the gospel doesn't sit into their lives. And what happens? Birds come and eat it, right? Do that, does that happen when you farm? When you go out and you do your seeding machine, do birds come? I, I, this has nothing to do with the sermon. I've been wondering for weeks. <laughs> um, but the birds come along and they steal the seed, right? They, they take it up and they steal it. And who are the birds? Well, the birds are Satan, right? It says, well, then Satan comes and steals the message away. Um, the way this plays out is these are the deceptive things that we tell ourselves that we tell ourselves, right? These are the deceptive things that we're told over and over again that knock down the gospel. I, uh, I've talked to hundreds of, if not more, maybe thousands of atheists in, in the last, you know, 15 or 20 years. And one of the things I hear most often is, well, but you can't prove it conclusively. You know, I'll offer proof in the end. They'll say, well, but that's not quite good enough for me. And so then the seed doesn't take root, and the lie that grabs it up is, oh, I need photographs. <laughs> oh, I need, you know, for Jesus to step into the room and talk to me, then I'll buy it, right? Or believers who turn into Pharisees, anybody know anybody like this? Where, like, they've got their own collection of sin, but they're quick to point out everybody else's. Um, and then the seeds won't take root in their lives. They can't hear the message because their ears are pl plugged up, right? Um, and Satan grabs it up and says, oh, no, it's not you, it's them. Oh, the other guy's wrong. You're doing okay. You're following these rules. Who cares if you don't love your neighbor or Jesus or anything? You're following the rules. This is the bird stealing the message away, right? It's all analogy. So for those of you guys who are following along at home, um, this is all analogy. Um, he goes on, he says, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it in joy. Anyway, or no, you know, you hear it and that's it. I, I always love doing ministry work with kids who are like, um, you know, just out of jail <laughs> or just in rehab and they hear about Jesus and they're like, what an easy way out. <laughs> I'll take that. And they, you know, they gravitate to it. You know, and they, they have this early conversion experience. They say, oh, yeah, this is great. Um, Jesus goes on and says, uh, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble and persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Um, in the lives of modern folks, this takes a couple of forms. Sometimes it's, wow, I'm going to believe this but I'm going to develop no depth. And when I, you know, want to do other things, I'm going to do other things, right? A lot of times with my, with my drug addicts who'd meet Jesus like in five minutes, the way that it would get, you know, killed in the end was the first time somebody comes around and says, hey, you want to go and, 
or hey, you know, you should be living the way you used to, rather than stick to the word, they allow it to be choked out. It dies because there's no depth. But there's another way this plays out. Um, there's a, a crazy statistic, and I can't quote it for you exactly, about um, kids who were raised in church and go off to college and lose their faith. It's like, you know, 70% of kids who go off to college lose their faith. Um, part of the reason for this is, is they never develop roots, right? They know Noah. They're pretty sure they know most of Moses, right? They knew Joan of Arc because that was Noah's wife. They, they could probably find the book of Hezekiah and maps. They don't, they don't know anything. They've got sort of this crayons Christianity. You know what I'm talking about? The, the Bible, the Bible school, like every, you know, like we'll tell you the stories, but they lack depth. This is part of the reason, by the way, that I'm doing the Sunday school series on how do you answer tough questions? How do you know God exists? Because if you can't answer those questions, there's a good chance that the depth ain't there, right? I'm not saying that's true for everyone. Some people have depth in different ways. Depth comes about as a result of hard work, right? It comes about as a result of study, of prayer, of, of giving, of fasting, of helping people who are poor. It comes as a result of hard work. Going deep is crummy. It's hard, right? That's why TV is so dumb. You know, like, you ever watch a TV show and think, wow, this plot is from a Gilligan's Island episode, you know, from 30 years ago. I swear I've seen this before. Jess and I were watching something yesterday, and I said, this is Gilligan's Island. Every episode is the same. Nothing changes. Why is TV dumb? Because you don't have to work for it. That makes more people watch. If you have to think, people won't watch it, right? The easiest way, but there's no depth. Christianity is often the same way. If you come and listen to me, I might help you nap through the morning, right? You might even actually get a whole lot out of what I'm saying, but if you don't go home and invest and read and study and pray and work to develop depth, guess what? The roots ain't there. And when people start asking questions, the house of cards will fall real quick because there's no foundation under it. Um, another way we see this is sometimes folks have disaster. Anybody ever like have a disaster back up and say, all right, God, what gives? I, I had a gal... I met um, um, Samantha, right? She came into a, our, our drug treatment program, and um, she was raised in a fairly religious home. But she fell away from that and became very angry about God. Um, in the long run, it was revealed that she had a personal tragedy that made her angry at God. And she said, I will not deal with God because... And she had this, you know, solid reason, I'll admit. But... Um, it wasn't that she didn't believe, it's that she was ticked off, right? Um, this is an example of no roots. I'm not saying this to be judgmental. I'm saying this because this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying no roots, difficulty comes, and you got nothing to live on. Um, I went to that safflower oil. What's the fellow's name? Yeah, but... <laughs> The oil barn. I went to that oil barn. These, these safflower plants, right? Um, one of the things that he said was part of the reason they do so well here is that the roots grow really, really deep. And for some reason, that makes them very effective in this, like, uber dry climate, right? Like, for whatever reason, deep roots, hot sun, no water, they do fine. In fact, they do better than most of the rest of the country. 
deep roots. Deep roots get you through anything. You want to know how to get through like the loss of a family member? You want to know how to get through like, you know, people pushing you around, folks rejecting you for what you believe? You want to know how to get through like, like hardship? Look at, look at Paul. Paul in the end, um, is a guy who's been beaten, robbed, shipwrecked, and out on the open ocean and hanging onto a board for three or four days. Um, you know, like, like all sorts of hardship. And in the end, he develops malaria probably. Um, and, and we think maybe he was going blind and he goes to God. And he says, God, how do I get out of this? You know, can you fix this? I'm not tired. You know, I'm not happy with this ailment. Um, you know, he may have been going blind or whatever. I think he was going blind. Okay. I'm just going to tip my hand. Um, <laughs> But, but he's got this sickness. He says, God, take this away. And God responds, my grace is sufficient for you. When you're weak, then you have to lean on me. This is a paraphrase, right? Um, when you're weak, then you have to lean on me. How do we lean on God? We develop deep roots. Because then we have to look to him for help. Then we learn to look for him to help us. Um, rocky soil. Uh, Jesus goes on then. He says, listen, the seeds falling amongst the thorns refers to someone who hears the words, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. I would believe, but I would go to church, but I would give, but I would. Anybody ever said this? Um, the seed that falls in amongst the thorns, what happens is these are folks who start to believe and they start following. But man, giving, geez, I, I really got, you know, I got other stuff to do with my money, right? Or Sunday morning, man, I really want to go and worship, but football is on. <laughs> but I got work I could be doing. I could take time to read and pray, but gosh, I've got important work to do on the couch. <laughs> gosh, I've got... It's the truth, isn't it? Like we're so increasingly busy in our culture, constantly finding new things to do, that working to develop deep roots, when do I have time to do that? When do I have time to gather up with folks and study? When do I have time to, to, to give anything to God? You know, if God really wanted stuff from me, he should have given me an extra day. Well, except that's what Sunday is, but whatever. You know? <laughs> It's this idea that busyness and the pursuit of wealth chokes it out. Um, I know folks who uh, have have children, and then out of uh, out of uh, the desire to maintain a two hundred thousand dollar a year lifestyle, everybody works, and they have somebody else raise their kids for them. If this is you, I'm not trying to offend you. It's not my intent. Um, that's wealth is more important than this. Not that they don't love their kids. It's that having $200,000 a year is really important, right? Um, when we make choices, sometimes we allow our lives and our desires to choke out what God wants out of us. Um, this is the thorns. Everybody with me? In theory, there's an outline that I should be following. So... Um, I'm not very good at the outline thing. The seed fall, oh, that's sorry. But the seed falling on good soil 
refers to someone who hears the word of God and understands it. This is one who produced a crop yielding 160, 30 times what was sown. All right, there's a contrast here, right? The stuff amongst the weeds or amongst the thorns is unfruitful. The stuff in the good soil is fruitful. What does that mean? Well, if I'm too busy to do anything, I'm too busy to grow spiritually. If I will take the time to invest, right, to make things grow, to allow my heart to take root with the gospel, um, I'll produce. What does that mean? Well, the fruit of the Spirit might be a part of that, right? I'll become this certain kind of person. I'm going to become loving. Um, I'm going to become more faithful. I'm going to become um, somebody who's kind, somebody who forgives. These are products of like a good crop in our lives. The other way this plays out is in how we affect other people, right? Um, there are folks who go out there, and I'm not saying this is a way to get to heaven, mind you. There are folks who go out there, and they, you know, they can't not talk about Jesus with folks. They can't not invite folks to to come worship with them. They can't not share the story of Jesus, right? Um, they can't not do it because that's who they are. They naturally touch other people's lives, and who Jesus is spreads to other people. Does that mean that by doing those things you earn your way to heaven? No, right? This is a natural outcropping of a way of life. Um, I talk to people about Jesus. It's not because it's my job. <laughs> I do it because I like talking about Jesus. Um, because when I talk to somebody about you know, their marriage, I'm going to talk about how to make your marriage successful through Christ, right? When I talk to folks about you know, how, to, how to deal with depression in their life, you know, I talk about Jesus. Why? Because that's the outcropping of who I am. And who I am is somebody that's following Jesus. I think there are a lot of people like that in this congregation because I meet people all the time who are like that, you know, from this community. Um, so what, what are we supposed to do with this? Okay, so people have different kinds of hearts and they hear the word or they're called to repent or whatever. They get this stuff. What are we supposed to do? Well, first off, we're called to take a, a self-examination stance, Right? Like, this is one of those sermons that when you're done, you're supposed to back up and say, what does my life look like, right? Is dealing with Jesus too much work for me? Is is it that I got more important things to do? Is it that people are kind of making my life difficult and so I don't want to deal with Jesus? Is it that I like my sin too much to hear what you're saying? There are a lot of folks who end up in these camps. And this thing, this story, is calling us to look back on ourselves and say, what's going on here? Where am I at? The middle section there, right? So Jesus tells the parable. He says, lots of folks hear but don't understand. And then he explains the parable. The middle section there sort of, like, points the finger. Folks who hear, don't understand, can't accept the gospel or can't make it grow right in their lives. They're like folks who, you know, Isaiah's talking about. They have ears, but they don't hear. They have eyes, but they don't see. You know, they can't clean up the sin in their own lives because they got their eyes closed. They just really enjoy their sin. Or they're so held on to their anger and their rage that they can't turn it over to Jesus. You know, so what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to look at our own lives. Where are you at? What does your heart look like? Is the word of God taking root in you? Areas where you've got sin, like, is that sin, like, when its light is shined on it, right? Do you cover it up again right away? Do you try to look away and not notice? Um, I had a long stretch of my life where that was the case, where I had these big areas of sin, and any time light shined on them, I tried to close my eyes and look away and say, well, God's okay with that stuff. 
well, I'll work on that tomorrow, or well, I'll try really, really hard tomorrow. But I wasn't trying to fix it. Why? Because the soil in my heart was wrong. It was hard, specifically. And I was trying to avoid dealing with it. Um, so how do we change that? Well, I'll tell you, we can't. How awful, how awful of a way is that to end, right? Um, change occurs in your heart as a result of the Holy Spirit, right? If I'm evil, I can't stop being evil on my own. Um, it's a little like uh, James says, right? If I got a bucket of salt water, can I take more salt water and make that water not salty? Probably not, right? Like you can't, I couldn't dip a cup into it and leave the salt behind, could I? No, you can't take clean water out of dirty water. At the end of the day, what happens is God moves in and changes us. Um, if you've got soil that's hard, how do you make it not hard anymore, guys? What? You work it. You till it, right? You run over it with a big machine that breaks the ground up, right? If I'm hard-hearted, the Spirit's got to break my heart up. Well, how does he do that? Sometimes he breaks me. Anybody been there? Where you're just doing your own thing and God decides to kick your butt for a couple of weeks or months or years. And finally you hit this point where you realize, man, I am screwing up. Man, I am in the wrong place. <laughs> and those seeds, they can take root then. Or we can try to ignore it. I know folks that get their butts kicked for years and years. And they just get bitter and they try to make the ground harder. Boy, wouldn't that be terrible if you tilled the ground and it was harder when you were done than when you started? But there are folks who do that, right? So the Spirit breaks us sometimes. That's the beginning. The other thing is sometimes without having been broken, He prompts us. Any of you guys ever listened to a sermon? Probably not one from me, but one from somebody who's good at this. And they're talking and you're like, oh my gosh, is this guy sitting at my dinner table? <laughs> is this guy listening to my thoughts? You know, and it's like everything that's being said is being said to you directly. When I first came to Jesus, every Sunday I'd sit down and I'd listen to the message and it was like that guy was following me. <laughs> and it was weird. I'm like, does this guy listen to what I say when I'm not here? What's happening? What it was, was the Holy Spirit was prompting me. The Spirit was saying, Eric, you got sin in your life. If you're going to be, you know, following me, we got to work on cleaning this up. So one way is breaking and the other way is wooing, right? He starts to get our attention. He says, put that away and come here. And we can choose it or we cannot choose it. There are folks that choose it. There are folks that let their hearts get harder, right? And ultimately, the choice is yours. Every time you hear the word, you get to make this choice. Isn't that great? <laughs> and that choice is, am I going to listen? Or am I going to come up with a lie to let it be stolen away by birds? Am I going to like try and put this into work in my life? Or do I have too much work to do because it's harvest season? Where are you at? My challenge for you today isn't to look at the people around you. Although I swear every time I hear a sermon, I always think, oh, that guy needs to hear that. That's a hard heart, right? My challenge for you is to go home and look at your own heart. Look at your own life. Are the seeds taking root? Is the gospel finding a place to grow? Is there good fruit coming out of you? If you don't know what I'm talking about with that, go to the Facebook page and listen to last week's sermon. Is there good stuff coming out of your life? Like, or is it just stuck because you're dead? Spiritually dead. How do you do that? Well, 
read, study, pray. Come talk to me if you need to talk to somebody. I'm here every day except Friday. We're going to close in prayer. And again, my challenge for you this week is look at your own heart. Look at your own life. What's growing? What can seed? What can't seed? Heavenly Father, um, I pray that you move in the lives of the folks who are here. Move in the lives of the folks that that are hearing your word, and I ask that you would help them to look at themselves and be ever on guard against thorns that might sprout up and choke out your word, or help them to be ever on guard against um, shallowness that will prevent them from growing spiritually and developing deep roots. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would convict folks that that they would become soil that's receptive to you. Uh, Move in a mighty way this week and help help them to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen.